What is nothing? Now that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? What is something? That's deep, bro. Right. How was that? Did you like that? You can talk. I like it a lot. It's official, right? Yeah, it sounds great. Hi guys, welcome to That's Deep Bro, Serious Questions with Silly People. My guest today is somebody you might recognize from your mom's house, my husband, light of my life, fire of my loins, Tom Segura. Say hi. Hello, hi. (laughs) Thank you for welcoming me in your home. Oh, I'm so, it's nice here, right? I like it. I don't know if you've ever seen where I live. I enjoy it. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Guys, if you want to support That's Deep Bro, uh, please, please, please go to my website, that's deepbropodcast.com, and use my Amazon banner to do all your Christmas shopping. I mean, look, you don't want to leave your house, do you? I certainly don't. What's the point? <laughs> I, I can't believe it. <laughs> uh, the tables what did you have just turned. do? I moved. You, oh, and this is, this is what it feels like when I do that. Yeah. On your mom's house, and it enrages And the you. person on the board goes, <laughs> could you not do that? <laughs> Sorry about that. I apologize. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I warned you that this, this podcast is not nearly as professional as your mom's house. So, But it's good. We're doing good. That was good. a good thump. Yeah, we're doing well. <laughs> so as I was saying, uh, please, please shop through my banner. It's Christmas. Tom, do you and I like to leave our house? Nope. Never. 0.0% of the time. <laughs> That's why we do all our shopping, especially your Christmas shopping on um, Amazon.com. Do not make the mistake of traveling to your destination this Christmas with packages in your suitcase. Let me tell you something. You think you can get that wrap package through TSA? You're sorely mistaken. They're, they're going to unwrap it. They're going to go through your stuff. They're going to look at all your underwear, and you don't want that. So ship those packages also, if you if you don't know, I have a podcast, another one called Your Mom's House with my husband, Tom Segura, who's sitting across from me right now. Uh, listen to that. It's completely different than this show, but it's still, it's super funny and it's very silly and it'll give your brain a rest from the stuff we do here. Uh, come see me do stand-up comedy. I know, it's crazy that I'm a comic, right? <laughs> I can't believe it either. Uh, go to my website, christinacomedy.com dot com to look at all my tour dates go to tomsegura.com to look at all of his tour dates follow me on twitter at christina p follow tom segura on twitter at tom segura and that's it that's all i have now today's episode i mean i figured look this is a person who supposedly is that correct way of saying you know what on that's deep row we say supposedly the right way um this is a person that's supposed to know me the most in life. This is what Sartre, Jean-Paul Sartre, referred to as the other. Uh, this is my other. This is the person that I spend most of my time with that, in essence, works to kind of define who I am. And that's kind of what other people do. Relationships with people define who you are. But can you really know another person truly? Is it possible that I, even though I've known Tom for 10 years, do I really know him and and what does it mean to be married to somebody? And I, listen, I know I'm coming from a, a heterosexual, white, female, monogamous perspective, but hey, that's all I know right now, okay? 
So that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, can you really know somebody? And, and what is it really, truly uh, to love and step outside of oneself to care for another? So enjoy my episode with Tom Segura, my husband, uh, the fire of my loins. Um, okay, we're there. We're doing it. Tom. Hi, Jeans. Hi, Christina. <laughs> you can call me Jeans on the show. Of course. People people who listen to this still know me as the Jeans machine. They do? Yeah. This course. is your own thing, man. Isn't this weird that I'm on the other side of the desk now? It's very uh, weird. I kind of really like this. I feel like that's a much more stressful chair to be in. It's the worst. Yeah. It's... You realize how many... I've done that 271 <laughs> episodes of your mom's house. Does it? But it gets easier for you. Of course. Of course. But it do, you do... There's part of you that feels like... You know when you see behind the scenes, like on those live shows, and they show inside the truck, and the yeah. guy's like, go on one, push tighter on two, take right. three, three, pull out now, and it's like, there's 40 screens? Yeah. That's, that's our version of that, sitting uh, in that seat, right? Like, yeah. Because we have clips, and we have a board, and we have different channels, and it's like, I'm the one that's like, is your sound good? <laughs> and like, all the knobs, and even though it's obviously not as dramatic as making it sound, you feel like that when you're in the seat, I think. You, it's like a space launch. Yes. And, now and I because have, it's important to you. It's super important. Yeah. And also, I have a new appreciation for when you do sound drops on our show. Yeah. Like, we have pages and pages of drops on your mom's house. And yeah. for you to, like, like we'll, have, we'll be doing bits, mm-hmm. and then you'll, you'll, like, find something, and then at the perfect time, drop it. That's a skill. It's just, it, it, you get it, better it at really it. Is. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Then it really is. Yeah. But then, now that the, the library's gotten so big... I'm sorry, just, the... Is it... Do you say... This is that steep row you say library. Well, I feel like it's a crossover day, so oh, okay. li- library is library more. Library is fine. Yeah, yeah. It, the uh, the library can be overwhelming. <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of drops. Hundreds. Uh, hundreds of drops. We're, at up, this we're point. up to like five hundred drops. Isn't that bananas? Yeah, we used to have. I can tell you exactly what we used to have. We used to. We basically started with like. 20 to in the 20 to 40 like after a few episodes you know after we started doing drops no. right around 30 40 yeah and then now it's 500 plus it's weird for me to, i feel like i'm interviewing you which is something we've never done i know whoa what's gonna happen on today's episode i don't even know mm. i don't know hmm. <laughs> are you feeling pensive Yes. Do you have your one? We have so here's the thing. We're relaxed. doing. We're, yeah, we're relaxed. We're doing this at night. I usually do the show during the day. Everybody's jacked up on coffee today. It's going to be. It's it's in a dark room, and we're drinking wine. And I had this wonderful philosophy professor named Doctor Makus, and he said that philosophy should only be done after midnight whilst drinking alcohol with your close friends. Whilst drinking. Whilst it's it's, not it's a fancy. Listen, we're in the philosophy room now. We say shit like whilst. Okay. And library and supposedly. Do you say to whom or for whom? That's a tough one. And Patty Stanger on Millionaire Matchmaker, she's been saying, whom do you choose your master date with? Mm. And it's very off-putting. So why don't we dive into it? Um, 
Today's topic, uh, you know, I feel as though Saratiana came in here mm-hmm. and we did a form of love. And that that was more of like, I felt like Eros, more sexual love, more the beginnings of love. The time when you meet somebody and, you know, sparks flash. And for a minute, for three months to be exact, you feel as though you're meshed, right? Like you're, the ego boundaries are down and you're mm-hmm. just meshed into this one being. And then what happens is a little bit of a disillusionment when you realize that that other person isn't, isn't an extension of you. And maybe they like to wake up early. Maybe you like to sleep in late. Everything maybe changes after that initial period. Right. Maybe they like to sit on the couch and fart and watch football. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'd like to kind of revisit the topic of love, but from a married monogamous perspective. And also there's this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful idea in philosophy. This is one of the first ideas that I learned in college. And do you know what I said to myself when I heard it, Tommy? What did you say? I was all, whoa, that's deep, bro. <laughs> do you get one in every episode? I do. Oh, that's great. But I don't want to tell you exactly how. That's well, you, kind you of the fun. That's not the only one you're going to hear. Oh, okay. I thought you were like, I just try to manage to say it once. I might say it again. Okay. It's your hey, it's your show. Hey. Hey. <laughs> it's your show, eh? Um, but this was one of the first philosophers who really kind of blew my mind up. His name is Martin Buber. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Martin Booby? Yeah. I never thought of that until now. It's Where's funny. Buber from? Buber is German. Are any of them not German? Are they, <laughs> the philosophers? Yes, a lot of them. Okay. But predominantly the ones that I learned from were Germans, were um, French continental philosophers is what they call them. They're, they're just high achievers, those Germans. I know, right? They really are. I know. They do everything right and super wrong at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> How can uh-huh. a culture be so... Uh, I know. It's, it's either all awesome or... Mm-hmm. Bad news. Uh, what's the ne- What's the bad news? The small thing. Ah, just a blip. Oh, BMW. You're a Mercedes fan. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. So, okay. This guy, Martin Buber, he's an Austrian-born Israeli Jewish philosopher. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, best known for his philosophy of dialogue, a form of existential existentialism centered on the distinction between. Now, here it is. I don't want to botch this. This is this is the idea that really blew my butthole apart. So this guy comes along. Where is he born? Okay, 1870, so he's around that time. Uh, He has this idea. He goes, there's two forms of relationship, okay? His main proposition is that we address existence in two ways. There's two relationships. There's an I-it relationship, you towards an object that is separate in itself, which we use or have an experience with friends. It's an I-it relationship is me and this pen it's mm-hmm. an inanimate object. I don't really have like a metaphysical connection to it. I can, it's useful. I can use it. But I don't really feel like an attachment to this pen. It just is. And then there's another relationship known as I-thou. Thou is in like Shakespeare. Thou, thou. Art, it's like Bible, the, thou. the human relation? Like a- exactly. And there you go. And what the distinction is, it's a relationship in which the other is not separated by discrete bounds. Now, that's fancy philosophy talk <laughs> for basically we engender this I-thou relationship with being, with thought, with fondness, with a connectedness, with a metaphysical, bigger 
sense. It's not it, it and that's a, and now it's it sounds now like a really like no dur, you know, hasn't people been saying this, but not really back when Martin Buber said it. You're like, "Oh yeah, no shit." So essentially though, isn't every eye it the relationship you have with every object? I mean, no objects are going to fall under the eye thou, correct? Very few because they don't have consciousness or the ability to love. But however, there is a study that they did on women and they said that women tend to have relationships with inanimate objects. Women, really? Yeah, like we tend to personalize computers or things that we use in the world a lot, which I kind of do. Like I do consider my computer a person and I, I get personally offended sometimes when it doesn't do what I want it to do. Mm-hmm. You, you never felt that way? Yeah, I don't know that that's, you know, just something that happens to women. No. I think it's interesting. But maybe, maybe, I, maybe the observation from the study was that obviously it happened less frequently to men. Cause I think it, yes. it would probably still happen to men. Absolutely. With less frequency. But then wouldn't every human relationship fall under the eye thou? Absolutely. Yeah. Human and also or animals. Yes, exactly. You're yeah. good. You're good. So, right. And I, I, Martin Buber, he talks about the relationship he has to a horse in, in his example mm-hmm. and how he can look into the horse's eye and even though the horse isn't really cognizant on a human level of language and stuff, there's still a thouness. There's an I thouness. Oh, yeah. yeah, because there's some kind of bond. And even you can have an I thou relationship with a stranger on a park bench. Let's yeah, go to the park sure. bench, right? And they're oh, yeah. they're part of your of the shared. Sometimes you thing. have profound experiences in silence with strangers. Don't you ever find that? Yeah. Like you it can be at the gate of for a flight and there's just something about another person and their energy, the way they are, and you share a look, something's communicated through the look. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's like a, on a human understanding, it's like I see you, that whole thing of like, I yes. see you, and the person is like, I see you. And, it, and nothing is said, but you feel like kindred spirits with the stranger, you know? Mm-hmm. I've, I've found that um, a number of times over many years. Hmm. Did you get their phone numbers and stuff? Or? Yeah. Um, there's a girl that I'm going to see. Uh, oh, you're coming next week. I guess I'll have to put that one off. But hmm. then, yeah, it's, it just happens. Depends on what city I'm in hmm. and how tall they are. Uh, it's neat. What? Yeah. Uh, it's neat because uh, we watched that documentary on Netflix. But you understand what I'm saying. Th- right. And I'm likening it yeah. to this example. Nothing sexual about it. No. No, no, no. But this I can't help but she's got big... What? <laughs> Big old eye thou jugs. Big old, big old eye. Big it's. round leaky eyes. <laughs> you know she was crying quite a bit. Right. So w- when you objectify that person, th- then it becomes an eye it in the sense of it's not a person. Not a person. It's I, a thing. Actually, to the use. really interesting thing, maybe I'm. You'll, you'll understand what I'm saying here. Mm. I think when you do remain in the eye thou you do this thing where you are kind of desexualizing yeah. the person. You know? Oh my God, that's so true. And it happens, it happens between men and women um, where you, you have that, where you, you, know, you have relationships, you with men, me with women, where you, there's nothing, the person could be obviously a sexual viable partner for you, but they're not, and you yeah. have that. And, the, and if somebody were to suggest that, you'd be like revolted. It's like, what? what? I can't objectify... Because you have yes. that, like, you know, the, you've nev- you would never consider the person in that way. Isn't that interesting that you say that, though? Because I've always felt that sex on some level is an objectification 
of the other mm-hmm. of that other thing you're you're using that person in some regards one of the sex is an intimate obviously it's one of the reasons yeah. why some many people are able to have sex with people they have zero feelings or connection with yeah it's this they they struggle with sex with the intimacy and with caring for the other person they almost they can't associate sex with that yeah sex to them is with essentially an object yeah which is super creepy and scary mm-hmm. um but what i was thinking of is that netflix documentary you watched about the artist the artist is present it's a yeah. documentary about it's this czechoslovakian woman and her whole art installation is her sitting in a museum and just sitting across another person <laughs> yeah. and making prolonged eye contact with them yeah. for like three minutes and that is directly an i thou relationship with the other person it's, I, you know i didn't even realize it's exactly what i was yeah. talking about at the airport at the airport right that's that's yeah what i was yeah. likening that too is uh the unspoken bond even between two human beings just because of your your ness, your humanness, your essence. Here. The difference is that when it happens organically, a lot of times, you know, you're getting whatever charge might happen there in a much briefer amount of time. You know, that was deliberate in the movie. The exhibit is deliberate, and you're told essentially to go try to experience whatever you're going to experience by sitting across from her. In society, in the world, when it happens, you can have that experience in a matter of moments mm-hmm. with a stranger. Isn't that interesting? I've often felt, not often, but every now and then, don't you feel like you just know a person? And this is totally rando. Some strangers yeah, are like, yeah, I, I could, I've known you, or I could have a friendship with you, and I don't even, I haven't said a word to you. With what we do, too, the way that we go on the road, yeah. you know, we get to meet so many strangers every week. And I'm not used to talking about the audience members. A lot of times it's, it's the people you sort of work with. Somebody picks you up from the airport, somebody checks you into the hotel. Somebody picks you up for the show. Somebody helps you with your merchandise. You know, somebody checks on you in the green room for you need something. Those people sometimes, you know, after one or two things, go you go to radio. There's it doesn't happen every week by any means, but by every few times, it's like last week. Um, yeah, where I go like that's just that's my guy. Like right, he's great. You knew it. You know it. You just know it. It's yeah. something that like we don't really know each other super well. But we know each other. Yes. You know? And sometimes you don't have to know each other super well. There is right. just this weird familiarity. Yeah. Maybe connecting of consciousness or A lot of times I fun. feel like it comes from... I feel like it's shared hmm. sent, shared reactions. It's like... Yeah, dude. Something happens and you know that you react a certain way. Yeah. And sometimes people just look at you like, oh, I guess that's how you feel this way. And you realize that you're... A stranger to them, yeah. Like they're watching your reaction, like they're watching an animal at the zoo or something. You know, like they're like, "Is that what this person does in this yeah. situation?" But then sometimes you react, and that person's so in line with you, yeah, like yeah, yeah. They feel the same way, and that's when you start to feel like this is one of me. That and that's what it is: is that you guys now speak the same language, right. the same unspoken language. Which, if you look at our other show, or uh, your mom's house. The people who listen to that show are called mommies. And, <laughs> yes. so and the, it is fun. And, yeah, it's ridiculous. And the mommies share the language of your mom's house. Yeah. And so when we do the show live, people, it's a room full of people who mm. all now speak this very bizarro language of that podcast. Who, it's its own world. On paper, 
a lot of times are quite different, which is the best part. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we do these shows and it's like you got like punk rock people. Yes. You have like straight up. Cops. Uh, cops. You got like corporate dads. Yeah. Then you'll have like, um, you know, beach beach girls. Yeah. Then you have, um, you know, we've have, oh my God, Latino, Asian, black, yes. um, Middle Eastern, every religion. Yes. Like I love that. Because it's not about one thing. It's like, do you sh- do you find the language being spoken here to be one that like you, you like understand. to speak? Yeah, and yeah. Then, and it's all these different people say yes. That's really interesting. I wonder if there's um, <clears throat> any theory on that, on the the unspoken understanding. How you perceive the world is what really what links you to others. A shared perception. Because it's, it's not easy to find that. No, it is kind of the thing though with comedy, right? Because comedy, you know, when you think about it. Think of big comedians and their following. You might think that, oh, a certain demo is that person's yeah. following. But a lot of times it, it'll it be spread out. You're not <laughs> going to find the same people in that theater. You know? yeah. it, it, you'll find maybe a big group of it, but it still be mixed up. Because yeah. people in that theater watching that comedian all agree, all kind of enjoy something about Something similar yes. about what's being said. They're connecting to a facet of that guy's personality, mm-hmm. maybe, or whatever that feeling they provide something to you. Something about is, his point of view is attractive to sure, many people. Sure. That is so, that's a whole other ball of wax, too, to yeah. get into the dynamics of what attracts you to, like a musician, to a oh, performer, yeah. to whatever the fuck, literature. Anyways, um, so that's the basic. There, that's one idea of the other. And then there's the darker side of the other. Is this from Boober also? No, God, no. He's a, you know, this guy's like a, he's he's a, a softer side of the existentialism spectrum. And then there's Jean-Paul Sartre. Mm. Okay. And his thing with the other is a little more negative in that you don't really know the true self, the self in and of itself, because it's always being defined up against the gaze, the judgment of the other. So in essence, like there's this idea that I'm a pure form of pure being. And then you come into my world, let's say, or something else. And then it fucks up kind of how I do stuff or messes with how I naturally in the state of nature would exist. But I don't know if I, I don't really necessarily, I don't know if I get in, I buy that because I do feel like you are defined by your relationships. It's kind of a very Mm -hmm. sad (laughs) <laughs> solitary way of existing. Most people don't exist alone. In I the feel world. like I have an inclination to exist alone. <laughs> um, no, seriously. And I know. Talk- I, I, you know, I think I would be in a in a pretty dark place um, without you as my spouse. You know, I, I mean, I feel like there's some people like myself, and I know I've spoken to other guys about it. It's like. They're like, you know, you kind of need, you need the stability provided by marriage and a relationship to function well. Yeah. Because my inclination would be to just be up till 5 a.m. every night and I would probably be into like, (laughs) I'm sure, you know, some type of substances. Deviant sexual practices. Yeah, I don't think I would have the best, uh, (laughs) I really don't. But, you yeah. know, yeah, I mean, like, I'm not, um, not an addict, but like, I, you know, I lean towards addictive tendencies, you know, and I have like, I think, I think it would be permission to just be like, 
no fucking structure, no uh, rules. Off the rails. Yeah, I do. You go off the rails on a crazy train. Yeah, I think that the, the marriage provides you like uh, that stability. You know? A bit of a structure. Yeah I, yeah, I agree with you. I actually am programmed to be more of a loner as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my therapist would refer to that as isolating behavior. I, I struggle <laughs> with isolating behavior. As do I. Right. Maybe that's interesting <laughs> that we paired up. <laughs> Yeah, that un- that unconscious dialogue again, huh? Yeah, but I see huh. the thing is, in my view, I'm the isolator of the two of us. You know, between the two of us. Yes, I I I, I, I definitely rec- you know acknowledge what yes. you're saying, but yes, I yes, yes. feel like I have a stronger isolation tendency. Yes, because me, because I grew up an only child. I grew up very much alone. Mm-hmm. I grew up hiding from my mother and listening to records to get away from her. And so I was alone most of my life. And so now that I found somebody that I like being around, I'm like a puppy. If you'll notice, I'm very, I'm like a dog. Like when there's someone around, I want to play. Let's go. I mean, I've even said to you, like, let's play. I want to play. I want to run. I want to, because I'm so thrilled to be around. Don't act like you want to run. I don't want to (laughs) run. You're right. I don't actually jog. My my boobs are too big Mm. for that. Yeah. Someone doesn't like, you know, strenuous. I I also don't like physical fitness. Right. But I do like, I, when I am around people, I really enjoy and I feel, it's hard for me to be intimate with people, to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So when I've finally broken that down with you, which took years and years, then I, I feel safe with you and I want to, yeah. I want to party. Like when I'm with you, I feel like everything, all, all's well in the world. Yeah. Everything's okay. We're going to be okay on this uh, journey together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, I'm serious. I'm. I'm just. I'm, it doesn't sound very convincing. Um, I, I. I totally. Mm-hmm. I'm. You know. I, you have me thinking quite a bit. So. Oh. Okay. Uh oh. Yeah. No. I, I'm. Uh, Are you going to abandon me? No. Of course not. Me? I, I was. I was pour really. Me some more wine. I was just thinking. Oh my god. Hold on a second. Speaking of addictive behavior. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to completely derail you. I'm sorry. I thought you could talk and do that at the same time. Thank you, Cindy. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Cindy. <laughs> um, I just realized that like, the more that I think about it, yeah. I have that instinct no matter where I'm at or whom I'm with. Or That's what I was going to say. Yes. You know, when I go home, my sisters are like, um, hey, we're going to, you want to come out tonight? And I go, no. Now, mind <laughs> you, this is a visit, like a once a year visit. And they're like, you're home for like 72 hours. <laughs> do you want to go out and stuff? And I'm like, no, I want to stay here. See, like I, I want to, <laughs> to not engage. Um, friends call me, people I actually do like being around. Yes. Do you want to meet for dinner tonight? Do you want to go do this thing? No, I don't. And why, get, what is that? Why do you think that is? Um, I just think that like, here's the thing, the comfort of being at home outweighs the possibility of the discomfort that may exist. Yes. In other words, now what, what usually ends up happening <laughs> is that I enjoy myself at any of these outings. Yes. But there's a possibility that I will just not want to be there. Yeah. And that is higher <laughs> than, the, than what I know is the comfort of home. Right. Yes, I, I agree. The, the, tempor- the temporary or possible... God, I sound like fucking an absolute mental <laughs> patient. <laughs> You're just a comedian. Yeah. Comedians 
just here's my theory is that we're not that much more messed up than normal people. Mm-hmm. We just delve into that stuff. I guarantee yeah. you the accountants, the lawyers, the professors listening same way. feel the same way. Yeah, as right. it, maybe not to a severe degree as us, mm-hmm. but it, we, we just dwell on it. Like we're, we're there all the time to find humor in it. Um, I agree with you. And I also, and that's what leads me to isolate as well. For instance, on the road, People really have well-meaning intentions of like, come out, let me take you to lunch, let me take you to dinner. And oh, the thought is so overwhelming. To, see, you're getting stressed out just thinking about it, right? I hate those invites. I hate the, right. when it's I get lunch tomorrow, I'm like, mm, uh, how about this? <laughs> if we do lunch, it's at the hotel. <laughs> and that way I can just press up and I can end right. this, you know? Right. I remember one time <laughs> I agreed to meet a couple people for a brunch and... I fucking was like really uncomfortable on the way to it. (laughs) (laughs) And I forget where I was, but I remember I was texting you and I was like, I'm having brunch. It's a couple people. They're really nice. And I really got to get back. Like, and I was stressing about like getting out of there, getting a cab. And then like, when you look at it (laughs) on paper, you're like, what in the fuck (laughs) is the problem? I was, I was really like, just, I don't know. I just what, needed to get back. What stre- Were they stressful people? Was it necessarily not? No, they were mild mannered. Everything was fine. Everything was fine. Yeah. Yeah. I was just. I was overreacting. Got to get back. I was overanalyzing the whole situation. You know, I, I was. I was just. But it's like I know people that just kind of roll with it. Like just. Yes. Do doesn't, what they it do. doesn't bother them. Yeah. To me, you know, I get. I really pick apart. You know, things and situations. I mean, it's you know, it's probably why like I do comedy about stuff i analyze that thing right i break yes. it down and i highlight something you know you 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 highlight a point exaggerate a point and then it's a story about that and this dot can you you're you know you're dramatizing and exaggerating and making a, something out of something that seems simple on its on it, in itself but you're making a bigger thing of it and that's right because it bothers you more bothers so you, yeah. than the next guy yeah. and also i think you and i are, are sensitive people ironically in the sense of stimulus yeah i get very almost overstimulated by loud sounds oh my god loud people i went to the national championship game last year for the team that i've been following since i was nine years old and at the rose bowl in pasadena and nightmare it sounds like paper well on paper it's the dream of a fan of their team you know you're going to watch them compete for a, a championship that's what it's all about and man, like, I got so upset with the guy sitting next to me yelling in my ear, and like, <laughs> my you know my back was hurting. I was like, I <laughs> Ira needs to go home and lay down. I really, I really was. I was like yeah. an old guy, but like, it, it just was too long of a day, and <laughs> and I should have you know I enjoyed. There was an emotional charge that I got out of it that you can't get anywhere else, but and, except if you're at an, an, a stadium with all those people, and yeah. you know the you were eye thouing. But I got to tell you, as the game was ending, I was running out of that stadium <laughs> right. and just just dying to get home. I really was to get to get uh, to get home or to get alone. Mm. I did want to be alone. Yeah, yeah. Overstimulate because I. What happens to me is I get overstimulated by other people, and then I get tired if they wear me out, and I have to come home and I have to be quiet. I have to be alone. Mm-hmm. And I don't like to... For instance, I when I see my father, he, he tends to drain me emotionally. So when you call me and you're like, what, well, what did you guys talk about? And I'm like, I can't even go. I, I, gotta, yeah. I, I gotta lay down. I gotta, I gotta lay down. 
Yeah, sometimes the I get it. The conversations <laughs> itself are like, we're gonna have to pick this up later. Uh, yeah. Can we talk tomorrow after I've slept for twelve hours? I just saw my family. I can't do this. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's getting worse as I get older. By the way, of course. The uh, uh, do you like? Do I you will, think I, mean, I would not go to the same game I went to last year. No. Like if the if it was presented to me, I wouldn't go because I I know that I didn't enjoy. Mm-hmm. All the other aspects of it, you know what I mean. It's enough to listen. I, I love. Uh, I like bands. I love Modest Mouse. They've been blocks from our home. Mm-hmm. Won't go. I won't go. Yeah, because I know I got to stand there, and then yeah. there's people, and and I got to park, and then I got to get to my car too much. after. I, and, and, and I just want to stay home, and I want to sit on my couch with my husband, and I want to watch Downton Abbey. And I want to drink some wine. Is that is that too much to ask? It's not. I don't think it's too much to ask. I, th- I think it, you know what it is, is. Do you feel badly about it? Sometimes, like now talking about it, I'm starting to feel like guilty about it and weird about. Like, am I fucking that weird? You know? Yeah. But I just know what I like and don't like. <clears throat> well, I just um, here's what my shrink would say about this because for for me, and I can't speak for all human beings, but my isolating tendencies. Uh, a lot of it is because I'm afraid of being overwhelmed by other people. Yes. I'm afraid of being too overwhelming to other people. I'm afraid of, I'm afraid of being hurt. I'm afraid of, you know, vulnerability. It's yeah. it's a huge, so instead of taking the risk, I'll just stay home. I'll just not risk it. And I guess the healthy thing to do is to have relationships with people and to risk and to. That's what you have to do. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, well, you know, we're working on it. It's a yeah. work. It's a work in progress. I know. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna you go know. home um, this week. I'll hang with family. I'm really excited to see my nephew. I'm gonna, you know, go out play. I'm gonna go see Steve, one of my oldest friends in the world. And you know, that's but that's like a relationship that I value and I enjoy. And you know, I'm totally myself with him. It's fun. And that's that's the key. Yeah. And that's actually what we were talking about at the top of the show is the relational thing where there's no stress. It's like you guys speak the same language. There's, what is that? It's the dog. What's he doing? He's digging for a bone (laughs) on the side of his bed. (laughs) I thought he was sharding. It sounded like a diarrhea. Uh -uh. Huh, little rascal. Okay, Uh, it's that thing where you speak a language and so communicating with them isn't like a hurdle. It's not like an obstacle. You can't have like, it's not fun to hang out with people where either... You have expectations on them, or they have like expectations of like, what are you going to be like? And oh yeah, you know what I mean. Like, or, or you feel pressure to be someone you're not. All that oh, is what worst. kills a relationship in any re- like romantic friend, anything like that. You know, you got to have comfort in the relationship. Well, that's interesting you say that because that brings me to my next point. Oh yeah, there's this great, fantastical book, and I mentioned this on the Saratiana episode. We is covered. it fantastical? It's fantastical. It's magical. It's deep. Uh, it's called The Road Less Traveled, A New Psychology of Love, Traditional Values, and Spiritual Growth by M. Scott Peck. I highly recommend it for anyone who just wants to know what you're kind of, what the what the healthy person's supposed to look like and what healthy relationships look like. Um, it's been in print forever. Anyways, I really like this. He says, I define love thus, the will to extend one's self for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. It's pretty deep, right, bro? That is pretty deep, bro. 
I like this idea. Say it again because it's yeah, really profound. It's kind of neat, right? The yeah. will, the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. Mm. So love in this definition isn't to strangle somebody into making them do what you want to do. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. A lot of no, I'm sure a lot of relationships are based on control. Uh, a lot of relationships, the other person doesn't want, one person doesn't want the other one to flourish. Uh, you and I joke about it constantly, like as an awful joke. I like to joke. see your light shine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that is a fun joke. That joke is basically like, uh, <laughs> it's like if we're at a show and like yeah. you get uh, you get off stage yeah. and like you crush and somebody comes up to you and they're like, that was awesome. Yeah. Then they walk away. I go, I hate seeing your light shine so bright. Right. I wish it would shine like less brightly. Yeah, like I wish you weren't happy, and I wish people weren't enjoying you. Right, because I I don't like to see you do well. Do well, yeah, yeah. Ugh, like That's... I hate your Netflix special, yeah. completely normal. Yeah, you can watch it now on i uh, Netflix. You can download his album White Girls of Cornos on iTunes. I'm thrilled, and I I hate it too. I hate I hate when people are like, "Oh, Tom Segura's funny." I'm like, "Is he?" Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's you're trying to put that candle out. Is what you're saying. Makes me happy to see your suffering. That's marriage. There it is. There it is. There's also relationships. There's a really neat one I read about in this book by M. Scott Peck, Road Less Traveled, where there's this relationship of um, need, where like there's the partner, the married partner, let's say the woman who's like, I can't drive. You know driving scares me. And then the husband is relegated to be her driver and her chauffeur and drive her to every a lot, a lot of people do that. I mean, there, right. there's a lot of people, not just with the driving example, but it's crazy. Like the more you kind of have these conversations and, you know, not that I'm super enlightened or by any means got a grasp and got it all under control is, but like the more you kind of are working towards it and having these discussions, the more you also are like, God, there's so many lost people and people in these, these like handicapped relationships and situations that they can get out of. You can always, you always have choices and you can, you know, the, the person who says, I don't drive, you can tell them you got to learn, you know what I mean? And you can stop fucking driving them all the time. Sure. Or, you know, that's just an example, but like people end up just going with it. And, and then that guy resents driving her 100% of course and that's the dynamic is I resent this because this bitch is the victim and I'm enabling this victimhood I'm secretly resentful but she needs me so I have to keep doing it remember the stuck in the cycle I'm stuck in the cycle remember the trip we went on we were at the beach and the lady was like she was morbidly obese she was like 450 pounds I'm not kidding in St. Martin yes Yeah. and the husband was like no shit like 140 yeah and she was like I need help getting up and she would lay in the water <laughs> like a yeah. seal that was beached. <laughs> yeah. and, and she was like, Martin, yeah. I'm stuck. And he would come over and have yeah. to use leverage and weight to pull her up. Yes. And like we just <laughs> we just ripped everything. But we you you could see it. Like it wasn't just us making things up. You could see the dynamic. Right. That this guy was there to serve her, you know, and they sat down and she was like, "I'm hungry." Like, of course you are, but like maybe he should be like, "How about some fucking grapes?" You know, right. something. <laughs> but there's something in him, as Doctor Phil would say, yes. there's a payoff. 
what's the payoff? So there's some emotional payoff to being somebody's rescuer. And now, if a hen don't got no milk, is there a is there a, a feeder that's going to spit it out? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Dr. Phil McGraw. Right. I mean, there's a, there's some payoff to that guy being the rescuer or the enabler or whatever the hell. Mm-hmm. So the point this guy is saying is like, no, I think love, the healthy definition, the ideal definition rather, is the extending of oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own, I would say one's own and another spiritual's, spiritual growth, which is really interesting in a very... Uh, when we love someone, mm. okay, so this is this is interesting too. So there's two issues I wanted to bring up too. Uh, there's always this idea I don't I never understand when people are like, well, you know, marriage is hard work. It's is this Doctor Phil again? Hard work. Oh. I'm doing it. Yeah, I'm doing okay. my impression. You know, you know, <laughs> marriage is hard work. It's a lot of fucking work. <laughs> they do make it sound like, you know. Mount Kilimanjaro. Yeah, you're not just gonna fucking fall forward to get up. Like it's you're gonna have to hide. That's what people. That's yes. how they describe it. It's a lot, and yeah. we had our years. Oh. Yeah, it's fucking brutal sometimes. Well, and I've heard that from people that have unhappy marriages, decidedly unhappy. Oh, it's so hard. It's like breaking rocks, and you're like, what? Well, wait a minute. First of all, as Doctor Laura would say, or no, Patty Stanger would say, your pickers off. You got to pick the right person. Yeah. Right. Hmm. Pick somebody who's somewhat somewhat together. I've fuck's sake. I always mean. said to people that kind of have like more than your normal amount of complaints about marriage. You know, like when they're like yeah, there's and there is standard issue complaints. Of there's course, shit that every well, you, couple goes through. Yeah, you're not. It's not fucking Disneyland, right? Yeah, you're, you're, yeah. you're coexisting with another person that's alive. So there's. Yeah. It's going to have something. But when, when people like are really into it, it's like, yeah, you know what I think happened, dude? Um, I think you married the wrong person. Yeah. Because there's somebody out there that matches up better with you. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Like, you, you're describing just problems. Yeah. This isn't good. No. It's not supposed to be just problems Mm-mm. all the time from the get-go. Drama, like, drama. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, part of it, too, is... People not willing to concede anything wrong with them or, you know, make any concessions of how they do things or how they exist or how they argue or how they talk. Like, you have to be willing to give. But I feel like a lot of people aren't even willing to maybe look at the fact that maybe they're just not with the right person at all. Yeah. Yeah, because I think on a daily basis, your partner shouldn't aggravate the crap. It should be out of pretty you. cool. It should be good, man. Yeah, you should be like running pretty good, right? Like you yeah. should be not fighting every day. Every day is not. You don't want to do check that. your oil every once in a while, but you know. <laughs> I think um, I think the key to picking a a good marriage partner is uh, look at things like red flags. Look and look early because dating is the time when you figure out what someone's really all about. So, true. look at how they shouldn't change that much. The whole thing of marriage really changed. It, it kind of doesn't. No, I don't think so. <laughs> kind of doesn't. I kind of knew what I was getting into. Yeah, I kind of feel like people who say that, like, well, I mean, we got married and then he turned into a drunk abuser, and you're like, nah, that's, that's there's no signs. Kind of weird. Not a thing. <laughs> that's my yeah. favorite. And then they go on the talk show and they start talking. They're like, you didn't think that was a sign. Yeah. When he smashed the bottle on the side of the road. Right. Well, I mean, he choked puppies every now and then, but he's a sweet guy. Like, no, I, I think 
Mm. Puppy choking is a pretty good indicator. The guy's a creep. Yeah. Uh, so there are flags. Keep your eyes open when you say early on when you're of picking course. a marriage partner. I would say just for the sake of ease, marry somebody that has the same religious values or tra- traditions. I'm not saying it's an absolute must. It just helps. It just makes life a little easier if you guys share a background. Well, only if you care about religion. Though. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But then when there's children, I guess, involved, and then yeah. you go, do we celebrate Christmas? Do we have the tree? Do we blah, blah, blah? I don't fucking know. Yeah. I mean, like my, I have a couple Catholic cousins that have married Jewish partners. And here's the thing. Uh, my Catholic cousins didn't really give a fuck about. Great. Cath- yeah. It, it then does, good. It, but if you're like, I am the thing that's the most important to me in the world is going to church Sunday. There you go. It's probably going to help to marry or even, somebody else. Yeah. Even me, I'm moderately, I'm not, I was raised Catholic, but I yeah. like the traditions of it. I don't yeah. necessarily go to church ever that much. Really? Yeah. I like to know that I've got a shared history. Um, I think small shit too is big. I, small. That's interesting. That's a good. That's a good title for your next album. <laughs> small shit is big. Uh, small shit's big. Do no, you wake up early? Does he wake up late? Here's the thing. Do you do you let the person be who they are? Oh, I was just talking yeah, to a friend huge. of mine who's never been married. He's dated a lot, and he's dating someone now for a while, and he's never been happier. And one of his things is he's like, she lets me. It's the way he phrases it. Just be who I am. Like, there's yeah. no, you know, he's a he's a guy, he's in his 40s. And he's like, there's no new way of me doing something. And like, I'm not going to change. Like, this is who the person. This is it. It's the package, this is what I bro. am. Yeah. And it's just like, he was just kind of going through people who are cool with who he is. But a lot of girls were just trying to like make him somebody else. Oh, and they were like, you know, they tolerated him to a degree, but they were like, you need to tone this down or What's, you know, they were changing him. They're trying yes, to change him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like it doesn't matter if you're in your 40s or if you're in your 20s. If you're dating someone who's not really into who you are and you're, you don't feel like the change that they want is one that you want, that's never going to work, man. Never, bro. Or you're just going to have so much tension in that relationship. Yeah, could you imagine going through a lifetime not being yourself and not being able to just say the shit that's in your head or... Or just enjoying what you enjoy. Yeah, it's you brutal. Know? Like, I don't know, man. Like, if if you love to have a drink every night, and the person you're with is like, I really don't like seeing people drink. Like, that's if it's important to you. Do you think it's going to be fun to go through that every day? Oh my like, God. whatever it is, you know what I mean. Like, if you're like, you know, my favorite thing to do is during the baseball season. I like to visit all the different stadiums and go to get. <laughs> there's people that love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, there's there's men and women that love that. And yeah. If they're, if you marry somebody who's like, there's nothing I hate more than sport. Like, it's probably not going to be the best thing. <laughs> then good luck because yeah. you're going to go to every stadium and you're going to be miserable and that's the rest of your life because that person's that? really into yeah. that. Um, shit, what was I going to say? I had a good one too that I always say to you. Oh, I've always found that the root of unhappiness in marriages are when uh, people blame the other person. For shit that's going on with them, and they take it out on the other person, and I yes, and I'm not saying like I've transferred angry stuff on you. <laughs> that's clearly shit that I've been going through. We but, both have, of right? Course. And that's it's what couples do, right? But it's an enlightened. You're 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 saying something that somebody might not even understand. It's right. it's a rich enough idea that you actually. 
have to explain it to a degree. Like some people okay. don't even understand. Some people don't understand that they're doing that, projecting you know, their own, of course, dramas. The, the cloud of their anger is so heavy. Oh, sure, yeah, that they oh, yeah. don't see that it's not what they think it is that's making them angry. For sure. And so it's a tough thing. For sure. Let's say, for instance, you have some childhood drama, okay? You, uh, you carry around a lot of anger because of your crummy childhood stuff. And then you get married to whoever, and then that person does something that reminds you of something mommy and daddy did, and you don't know that because it's so buried. Yeah, they don't see that, that that's the, con- the, the connection the there. Right. It's unconscious. You don't even know it. And you're yelling at this person in front of you that you're not really even angry at. It's not about them. It's about yeah. some stuff mommy and daddy did way back when. And, and that, but I'm telling you, that's the majority. And I see a lot in my, in my life, I have seen a lot of women take it out on the man. Why don't you? And, and blame him for her. Dro- I, my career sucks. And da, 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 da. Well, whose fault is that? He's holding me back. Really? Is he holding you back from doing X, Y, and Z? Mm-hmm. Is he physically holding you down? Are people really holding, or is it you? You're not making concessions for yourself to do stuff. Yeah. What were you thinking just then? I saw you go somewhere. No, I was, I was thinking also of like, you know, the idea of do you ever really know someone? Yeah. And my instinct reaction to the question is no. But then I think that that's actually an unfair answer because I think you you go, well, you know, these person thought they knew someone there with them 30, 40 years or something. Yeah. And they, but it's not that they didn't know them. I think when, when they're surprised by something, it's that one of two things took place. I think usually the person was deceived. So they did know someone, but someone intentionally misled them to mm-hmm. something. Or they were not they were lazy in that they didn't follow that su- people in relationships and things are always changing. Yeah. And if you're not paying attention you go I thought they knew someone well it was changing a while ago. It yeah. was changing. You you knew him, you know him. But he changed or she yeah. changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do think you can know somebody entirely. I really do think you can. And I think that, you know, that person who you know really well can change in front of your eyes. And you can see the change if yeah. you're making some effort to. Yeah, and if you're tuned in. You've got to be tuned in. See, and I, I agree with you on that. I think you can know people to a large degree. Like, I think so. I look at you, and I've known you now for 10 years, intimately. Like we've been together for 10. Yeah. I know when you're uh, agitated. I know when you're hungry. I know when you're horny. I know when you're... You need to take a shit. I know everything. <laughs> Not everything. I know a lot of your indicators is what I'm saying. I, right. I know when something means something else. As I do you. The feelings. Yeah. yeah. You pick up on the behaviors. They're like, oh, that's blah, blah, blah. I, I can translate it. I think it's even not even just behavior. Sometimes I can just sense from you a lot. And I'll, I'll say something to you and you'll be like, how'd you know that? <laughs> yeah. I just sense it. Yeah, we spoke that language. Sure. Talk about earlier. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, I'd be like, I know, like, what's bothering you? How do you know something's bothering me? Well, I just, <laughs> you know, I can just sense it. Yeah, you've seen it. You've seen the looks over the years of what that looks like. But, because you were saying your sentence and there was a but, you can sense all these things. 
Oh, but but then again, there's also a level of internal dialogue that I will never truly know. There's a level of listen, everyone has awful thoughts. We have awful I have awful thoughts. Not all the time. Mm-hmm. I've got awful shit in my head every now and then. <laughs> right? Shit that you wouldn't want to share with people. No. Your deepest, darkest, sinisterest, shameful thoughts. And then you, you know, you, you obviously know to go, oh, that's ridiculous. Don't, don't even, oh my God, don't even, oh, that's terrible. You can't share. Yeah, I, I've, I've learned to, <laughs> to, sometimes I go, I'll say that as a joke. And then nah. I'll be sitting there and I'll go, nah. <laughs> it's not worth explaining that that was a joke. <laughs> Like that's kind of crazy. Better yeah. not say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's that side yeah. of your brain that is just like, you know, brain, it's pretty active too. Brain farts. Yeah. Your your stuff. Your sinister stuff. Sure. You yeah. Yeah. You're deviant. Yeah. I know. I've always felt that about you. That there's a darker, you know, the dark side of the force. Yeah. Yeah. There's stuff that I, you know, I I think, and then I go like. Don't say that. Definitely don't do that. I mean, it's just more like your brain's just kind of running, you know? And then you flog yourself, I hope. I hope you mentally castigate yourself and put on a hair shirt. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd like you to flog yourself for for those thoughts. But I have a lot of kind thoughts, too. I have a lot of sweet thoughts and gestures, and I try to do nice things. Most definitely. But yeah, I'm saying that, no, I, I don't feel like, I feel like everybody always wants to see people and things as you know it's, it's comfortable to see everything as black and white you're this or you're that yeah and i don't feel like i really don't the, the older i get the more i feel like people aren't that people aren't just this or just that no people are a mixture of everything they're they are all their experiences and everyone who they've ever met and everything that they've ever done oh, yeah. and it's it's a full fucking rainbow of colors you know <sighs> the truth man there's a little bit of this and that in everyone you know and then just there's just brighter colors in some people you know oh that's a good way of looking at it yeah some people just have their shitty colors are just a lot brighter a lot of browns <laughs> a lot of a lot of bloody red browns <laughs> <laughs> a lot of bloody stool colors yeah, stools a lot those, of sixes and sevens are- in some people <laughs> Those are vibrant. So yeah, you're right. But, so, somebody's shitty colors are brighter than others than the, the nicer ones. <laughs> but you know what's interesting about getting like how well you can really know someone? A lot of times it's about how the the person that you're talking about getting to know, how much they're willing to give up. In other words, yes. oh, sure. there's some people that you know, man, you know you know them about ninety nine point nine percent. You will in your life. Yeah. And it's because they are willing to give that to you. Yeah. They're willing to be that with you. And if you don't, it's because a lot of times they're not willing for you know to let you get to know them that well. To be vulnerable. Yes. And to 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 know, to allow to be known and to know. Yeah. Which is very uh it's vulnerable. It's yeah. very scary. Yeah. It's uh not easy. So also I wanted to bring up this idea uh this idea that love is hard work. Uh, I don't. I don't necessarily agree. Uh, to me, I don't like the word. Work applies to things I don't like doing. Work is showing up to a day job I hated for seven years. Uh, work is, I don't know, going to family functions. That's work. But working, working. I even hate the word. Um, what, what word can we use instead of working on a relationship? Um, growing. 
Yeah. Doing, being, being, being. Because it's a being. It's a living, breathing entity. There's you, there's me, and then there's the relationship. And um, I really love this uh, thing that M. Scott Peck wrote. Genuine love is volitional rather than emotional. And that means the person who truly loves does so because of a decision to love. This person has made a commitment to be loving whether or not the loving feeling is present. Conversely, it is not only possible but necessary for a loving person to avoid acting on feelings of love. (laughs) Now, that's really loaded. So number one, you know, people say love is unconditional. Ah, Not so much because let's say you turn into a turd, whatever you change let's say dramatically you change you get a head injury you become an alcoholic rageaholic you beat the shit out of me the conditions upon which i love you have now changed (laughs) yeah (laughs) can't be in a relationship with you so that's not necessarily true but it is a decision what you're what he is saying here is you're deciding to wake up and love this person all the time even if he may not feel loving at the moment and at the exclusion of all other potential loves go no, 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 I'm commit, I've committed commitment to this one love to nurture and foster the spiritual growth of this other person. I find it very um, interesting. I don't yeah. know if I have much to say on it, but I like it. Yeah, and I definitely agree that uh, that unconditional thing is... is love it's is, weird. You know, love is very conditional. Especially romantic. I think romantic, for a child yes. and a parent maybe is unconditional. I mean, look, with parent, we everybody, more people can relate, I think, almost everyone can relate to like being super super annoyed and aggravated by a parent yeah right or you're like or a child right right but i'm saying like you know for if you're not a if you're not a parent you you've had a parent you go you know certainly like in your teens and then as you get old you get you know everyone knows like oh jesus christ yeah you know mom dad whoever but that love at least for most some people obviously cannot stand you know certain parents but like you know, as as annoyed or upset as I could get at my parents, the love is unconditional. I mean, I'll still love them. They could do really bad things, and I would still love them. You know, and but yeah, romantic love is not not the same. No, it's not the same. However, I would argue in some cases parental love is conditional. I mean, at least for for me. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, you have it's a... They're abusive and shitty. You're like, but, eh, deciding not to love you. Right. You and that's, a, that's another level, though, that I think most people probably don't even consider when yeah, you're discussing yeah, yeah. the parent. You know? Yes. Like, so it is conditional. It is most, conditional. Yeah. You're right. Most. Yeah. Now, a child? Different. Some people, um, you know, like, there are people whose children either commit crimes or actually just behavior they find despicable. Like their child doesn't take care of their own child, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, and they go, they can't respect what the, the child is doing. They have, they're, they're basically pulling back some of their love for that. That happens for sure. Yeah. And you know, that's basically having some type of conditional love, but most, (coughs) Parents. Most healthy relationships are su- supposedly. Yeah, that's how you uncon- say it. It is how you say it, and I think. Um, but I think, interestingly enough, even though you have a shitty, abusive parent, you do always love them in a weird way. It's yeah, not, it's not a healthy. Right, it's an attachment. You still love your mother. I I don't know. It's not. It's not. I have a. 
I don't even know what the feeling is. Torture. I suspect sometimes <laughs> that as as bad as she's been to you, um, there'll just be you, you'll say things in a certain way where I can still sense your love for her. Well, as a human, yes, as a, yeah. as a person who I know, she's obviously not well and yeah. has horrendous things, whatever going on with her. But it's it's definitely. But it's not just as a mm. human. It's also always will be your mother. The child bond, the yes, child mother bond, mother. unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. So to some extent, yeah, there is unconditional. Yeah. But day-to-day love, it's a decision. It's yeah. a choice. You wake up, you go, hey, I've chosen to love you. Yeah. And guess what? We're going to fucking ride this bitch. We're ride or die now. Mm-hmm. You, um, you, you make a point, like the, uh, the relationship, though, when you're with somebody, you got to want it. You know? Yeah. You got to want it. And you gotta you gotta be willing to put in the effort. choice, the effort. To yeah, know. yeah, because it doesn't just kind of go on its own. But yeah. I, it's worth it, though. I think the effort's worth it. Yeah, it's I mean, different than like some people only th- they think that love is only that new love, you know? Yeah, yikes. Yeah, there where it's like, oh my god, I met this person, and yeah. all, which is always exciting, and you know, I understand why people, are, but like they they think that if that Emotion doesn't exist that they don't love someone anymore. Yeah, that heightened yeah. the romantic um, being in love is, is vastly different. Falling than, in love. Yeah, falling in love is different than, than being in love with someone. Over the long haul. Sure, it's very different. And really giving a shit about that person yes. in a meaningful way. And you're thinking of them and you're doing things you're doing things for them. Not like I'm gonna go pick up, you know, uh it's it's different to be like, I'm gonna go buy this, you know, ring or this uh piece of jewelry or something that, you know, I know that she loves that. That's uh I feel like a thing you can do that's obviously a representation of your love. What's changes is when you're ten years with somebody and you go, I'm getting on this plane and going to work because I love this person and Aww. I'm going to I'm going to, you know, yeah, support geez. my family. Yeah. I'm gonna, you know, this sucks, but like, I take care of my my love. You know, it's yeah. different. You're sacrificing things bec- for, and that's a different type of love than like, I got you tickets to your favorite concert. You know, it's it's a different thing. It's not that it's not to put down the tickets. It's just right. it's, it's a different it's level. More meaningful. It. It's a different level. Yeah, you're a sweet guy. I love you. <laughs> you're a sweet lady. I love you too. Yeah, because I always think it's always a. Uh, you know, you wake up in the morning and it's about thinking about how to make that other person happy too. Or what can yes. I do today to make Tom's life better? Yeah. No, seriously. Yeah. And it's little shit like, in the mornings we wake up and I, I didn't do it this morning because the lady came over. Mm-hmm. But uh, The lady came the over. Cleaning lady Maybe we should came. explain which lady yeah, came sorry, over. Yeah, sorry, the cleaning lady came. <laughs> um, and so it like interrupted our routine. Yes. We didn't have a chance because she was in there. Too early. Too early, yeah. And um, but in the mornings I wake up first. Generally, I get up out of bed first, rather, and I make you a coffee and I hand it to you. And that's just our ritual because I know that that makes you happy. It starts your day off right. And why the fuck not, right? Of course. Make your make your beloved feel loved. And now there's a lot of stuff. I see trash falling out of the trash can. Yeah. And then I go. I'm about yeah. to go to bed, but I see it. I'll go. I'm going to take this trash out right now. Yeah. You know, so that you wake up when you, because you always get up before me, that like, it'll be an empty trash can. It sounds like a, you know, a simple thing, but 
the but reason it is, that I did great. it is because I thought of you. Oh, jeez. When I saw that pile of trash. Thanks, sweetie. <laughs> oh, you know what I mean. You're really sweet. Um, so this is it. This is when we love someone, our love becomes demonstrable or real only through our exertion, through the fact that for that someone or for ourselves, we take an extra step or walk an extra mile. Love is not effortless. To the contrary, love is effortful. Isn't that interesting? That's basically yeah. what you're just talking That's about. That's exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. That's exactly what we're talking about. Isn't yeah. that interesting? And I think, I think, you know, we can't even speak on it because we haven't experienced it, but we see it with people that we know. And I think that that effort grows when your family grows. Like you see yeah. people, you know, you're really doing things for others. Yeah. It's a different level of love. Yeah. And I think, um, I think that's kind of uh, how to get us out of our isolating tendencies is that when you start doing shit for other people, like you really feel a different sense of fulfillment. Like when you, what's up, boo-boo? No, I just didn't know where he went. I was saw he him. around there? He was here and now he's done. See, and that's a great example. Even something as small as rescuing our dog. <laughs> how much joy has rescuing Theo brought into our lives? I can't even put it into words. Right? I can't put into words the emotions that I feel for this dog all the time. And I know. At different times. And, and how, you know, I was in here today and I was pulling clips for our show. And then I looked and he wasn't there. And I just, you know, I go check. I look all up. Where is he? And I see him. <laughs> he's in his bed. And I, oh, okay. I just check on him. Sometimes I just sit and I think about him. And I told you, you know, sometimes I just cry thinking about him. Oh, my God. It's, cry right now. I'm yeah. trying not to cry right now. I just, I, ha- I don't know. I have, I'm overwhelmed with emotions by this dog that we rescued. So weird. Um, a year and a half ago. But to be fair, we went through a lot. It's not a, it I know. a normal rescue. It wasn't a normal one. But, um, yeah, he does bring an, an, an immense amount of joy. He's brought an immense amount of joy to my life. Yeah. Um, you know, looking at him brings me joy. <laughs> Caring for him brings me joy. Yes. Just, and it, doing things with this dog makes me so happy. I feel like this is a documentary where they go to prison and they're like, and then we brought dogs into the prison <laughs> so that the prisoners can have emotions again. It's so, it's and, so, and look, he's right here. He I just know. came. Come here, buddy. Come here, people. Yeah, he's the best. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, you know what's so interesting? It just occurred to me that mm-hmm. all the great religions... Or like Buddhism, Catholicism, it's all about like okay, prayer, meditation. It's about getting outside of your ego. Drug mm-hmm. use is getting outside of your ego. LSD, right. mind expansion, getting outside of your ego. Another healthier way of doing that, yeah. And it, I mean, so is meditation and prayer, but is to serve others. Yes, it's to get outside of your own melodrama and your own bullshit and care for something other than yourself. And I think you and I as comedians, like we're, so, we're, we're fucking lunatic solo artists for the most part. Like we live in our own minds. Yep. We're very isolated. We, we care for each other, but that's really it. And I think for the first time to care for a party outside of us, it's huge. It was like, yeah. Oh shit. Like we can care for this other thing and it brings joy and it scares me a lot, you know? Oh, I'm terrified of losing him every day. I think about it all it the time. It scares me a lot. I think that's the, the emotion that I didn't see coming for having this dog. I didn't see it coming. You know, when I fell in love with him, I didn't see the idea that I would always be 
scared for him. And, you know, I get scared, like, you know, I feel comfortable here, but, like, we go somewhere, and we traveled with him this weekend, and you're like, I'm going to take him out. I get nervous while you're out. Yeah. Not for you, because I know that you're, you know, you're like, I'm going to go get a coffee. What's like? I, I feel fine with that. But with him, I, I get fears, like, he's going to get trampled, or yeah. someone's going to hurt him i get these like, he's vulnerable. i know but they're like irrational mm. fears sometimes. well i think also keep in mind for people who don't know the story of theo huxtable we rescued him fuck i changed his name he's now fifo we changed his name in light of the cosby scandal <laughs> we rescued him a year and a half ago <clears throat> he's a he's a little 14 pound brussels griffon uh mini oh, pin don't mix call me fat i'm 13 oh, and when we got him he was very 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 sick the shelter lied to us about what was wrong with him. Mm. And uh, he almost ended up dying. We had him in our home for four days and then he ended up in the ICU and they, we took him into the ER and they handed us a DNR <laughs> thing to sign. And they're like, he's probably not going to live through the night. So it was really traumatic to get this dog bond with it and then be told that he's likely going to die. Mm. He ended up living. Thank God. And it's been like this whirlwind. And we cried. The day we thought Theo was going to die, we came home and we were just like, this is it. This is horrendous. It was horrible. It was fairly terrible. But he's he's here and he's the light of our little lives. The, fun, the thing that's interesting is that um, when I see sad stories or hear a sad story, something sad, it's like emotional. After I process the story that's going on, the next thought that I have is about him. I, I liken emotionally, you know, charged sad things <laughs> to to that. Well, like that's the go to for me. Like I always, you know, I saw this thing about this father lost his son. It was like this horrible story on TV, and then it made me really sad. I was in a hotel, I was crying a lot, and then the story ended. I start thinking about Theo, and not about him being sick in that period, just about him. Yeah, and then it was like bawling, like bawling, crying. And that was just what I went to. Mm. Because he's so vulnerable. Yeah. He's, he's There's an innocence to animals, of, you know? Of course. So that's why now, too, I mean, not that I ever didn't think it was this, but now with this dog, when, you, when I think about people that abuse animals oh and stuff, God. it's like they're the most heartless sociopaths in the world. I think they should, we should gut them on streets and set their bodies on fire, you know? <laughs> I agree. I really, I really think so. Who can hurt a cute little puppy child like this? So ridiculous. Oh, this is nice. So, um, I thought this whole time Tom's been taking copious notes on what we've been discussing, and he just handed me his notepad, and it says "That's deep, bro" on the top, and then uh, is that me? Is that my head? <laughs> is that my head? No, it's just someone else's head. It's a it's somebody being choked on a cock in their mouth. I thought it was a double entendre. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. I got it. Okay, so it's that's deep, bro, and then the cock is deep in the throat yeah. of this person. I don't know. Yeah. Wow, that is it's interesting. That's a double entendre. It is meaningful. And you know what that is? Hmm. That's deep, bro. <laughs> Thank you so much um, for doing the show. You know, a lot of people have requested you, and this is huge. I really appreciate that. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the conversation. I hope I can do it again. It was really actually. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I feel like you're not really familiar with this podcasting stuff yet. Um, All right. Maybe if you 
I don't know. I enjoyed it quite a get, bit. Get better at it is what I'm saying. I'll try. I'll and try. Then... Um, to the deep bro listeners that uh, don't listen to your mom's house, um, I am a comedian even though I cry and I isolate. And uh, <laughs> my website is TomSegura.com and I hope you come and see me do stand-up somewhere. Uh, at Tom Segura Twitter. Check out his Netflix special, Completely Normal. It's on Netflix now and it's so amazing. My husband is one of the funniest human beings on the planet Earth. And it, you know what, Tommy? It's because you cry and because you isolate that you're a good comedian. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I love you. Right, I love you too. <laughs> now what? I don't know. Philosophize with Philosophize with Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans This ain't your mom's house It's a different theme Gotta be critically thinking Like you caught up at a cocktail party Our thoughts start to sink in John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates Got us talking all properly, topically Just a comedian discussing these philosophies Serious questions, silly people What's that? That's deep, bro it is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.